not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Welcome to a depleted view from the Ninian this week, where even a win can't raise our spirits as two-thirds of the pod are battling some sort of illness. Um, I'm Ben James, your host as always, this week with a chest infection. I don't I also got stung by a wasp at the weekend, which is highly embarrassing. No one's been stung by a wasp since the early 2000s. So um I've, I'm injured in two fronts. But I'm also joined by another ill Ben, Ben Price. Ben, you want to tell the listeners what's wrong with you? I'm just run down. Been a long oh, week. Run down. Not sleeping. Not sleeping, being abused from a choice of kebab sources. It's been, it's been a rough week. Well, let's hope that this chat will improve your mood. And Tom, any illnesses from you to talk about? No, I was slightly tired, but I'm not going to lie. You two being this down has cheered me up slightly. Which is I'm not down, I've just done well. Okay, being unwell, being run down or whatever, woke snowflake thing, Ben's got wrong with him. Um, <laughs> He's yeah, offended. Yeah, cheered me right up. So I'm fine, thank you very much for asking. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, there's a lot to cover in this week's podcast. A lot has happened. There is a lot to happen. So we should start at the start, then, as we normally do. Uh, we haven't really talked about the Portsmouth game. A chastening 3-0 loss at home to League One Portsmouth, the Marlon Pack testimonial. Um, I guess the main question from that game is, was that Curtis Nelson's last start for Cardiff? I don't know if it's his last start. It's a long season. You know how quickly we are to write players off and they come good later on in the season. But um, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing him in the squad for a while. The fact we went out and signed a bloke from Rangers that's barely got a look in for two seasons suggests mm, perhaps um, it's not just the fans that think it's been a poor poor run. It's uh, the management of the club too. So yeah, it'll be a while before I think we see him even make the bench. He was Tom, he was poor against Reading, uh, giving away the penalty. Um, and the, you know, defensively, we were all over the place against Reading. Um I like Curtis Nelson. I think we've, you know, been we've given him some praise over the last couple of years. But as, as Ben says, the signing of Jack Simpson, who has been lauded as a ball-playing centre half, suggests that it could be the end of Nelson as a starter in this team. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, I think injuries aside, I don't think you'll get much of a look in because he was just very, very poor. You know, he's not one of our new signings that we're going to hope is going to come good. You know, he's been with us for a few seasons now. And he was, like we said last week, he was brilliant when he first came in. He was he looked like one of Warnock's best signings at one point. Um, but I don't know what's happened to it. I don't know whether it's confidence or what, but he just looks shaky with the ball at his feet now. And we thought he'd have the odd mistake in him before. He, he doesn't have, I don't know, he just didn't do anything right now. Like, no. you know, he's, he, it's like he gives the ball Two penalties away. in two games. Yeah, he's just rash. Um, and I think this, that's the worrying sign. It's that decision-making. Um, and when you've got a lot of young players and a lot of new people coming into the squad, it doesn't really breed confidence. So, you know, I feel sorry for him because I like him. I like him as a player, but it doesn't look good for his future at the club. Um, the last question on the Portsmouth game, because it was crap and I don't really want to spend much time talking about a 3-0 loss, Ben. Um, I think there's one player who stood out who who then started against Birmingham, but was there anyone in that game that impressed you? Not really. Um, yeah, it just was one of those, isn't it? Just a bad day at the office sort of move on from it. I don't think anyone really can say they did well in that game. You can't lose to a team a league below 3-0 and say anyone really did enough to make a claim for first team football regularly. Tom, I'll come to you for the opposite view. Was anyone who impressed you? It was just Philogene, really, wasn't it? Like Apart from him, I think 
Tanner looks like he's not quite there yet. In terms Very raw. Of, yeah, he's not ready to kind of step up. I thought, I think first half, you know, we had close to 80% possession, like going into like half time. And we had a lot of ball. We just did absolutely nothing with it. Um, we looked fairly comfortable. They didn't look like they were threatening us. And then second half, just stupid mistakes throughout. They're just all sloppy goals. And like, like Morrison's comments after the game, like he was saying, like, you know, people had a chance to put their hand up and, you know, for a start against Birmingham and nobody's taking it. And that kind of sums it up, really. It was just no nobody kind of stepped out as, look, I, I want a shirt and I want to be in the first 11 here. It, it was just a, a poor, you know, they made six. We, we made 10 changes, but they made six. It wasn't like they went full strength either. And I think that's the frustrating thing about it. I'm just looking at the stats because I hadn't really looked at them before. We had 25 shots. We had 64% possession and we made 438 passes, which shows we did dominate the game everywhere but up front. Um, and I think we took that, Tom, didn't we, into Birmingham. The fact that we controlled the game, we ran the game, we took the best parts of the Portsmouth performance, which was controlling the ball, having lots of shots, and took it into Birmingham. And we only won that game 1-0, but it was a brilliant performance, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, I think... But probably like a 25-minute bit in the second half where we were, we didn't recreate anything, but we, we were comfortable. We stepped back a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. We were outstanding. Um, you know, I think... I don't think we should ignore how poor I think Birmingham were defensively. I think their back three were all over the shop. I don't... They, they weren't close enough at times. You know, they were... They, they were... One was going forward. People were staying back. And, and I think... I'm sure we'll come on to it. I thought Watt has exploit, exploited that space very, very well at times. But no, we, we passed the ball around well. You know, that uh, underrated man, Wintle, you know, his <laughs> link-up play was fantastic again. Um, and it was one of the first times watching a Cardiff game on TV where I was like, this is good football. And I'd be quite happy to tell my mates that were on TV this week and have, have a bit of a watch because it was fun to watch. I did shit myself for the last, like, of an hour because it just felt like an inevitable equaliser was going to come and I think I would be more disappointed than normal just because we wouldn't have deserved that at all um, but yeah they had a, what they, their XG was like 0.09 and ours was the highest in the league so yeah um, 0.08 versus 2.59 yeah which is you know it, it kind of sums it up nicely really we, we dominated from start to finish Ben on that point um, I think that it was Birmingham had four total shots one off target None on target. I don't know where the other three shots went, but they probably uh, deflected or blocks or whatever else. Um, we can start at the back. We were defensively excellent, excellent, and it all starts with Alsop, doesn't it? Um, in goals, I think we're seeing a keeper who really instills confidence in the defense in front of him, aren't we? You've seen a bloke set the tone for the team, and you normally get that from a midfielder. The fact it's coming from a goalkeeper is really bizarre, but the confidence, the leadership everything come from him and yeah I, I'll be honest when we signed him I wasn't too thrilled I, I don't think he did from what I saw at Derby he never really stood out as someone that I thought would change a team and sort of do that but he seems like key to this new style he seems to be the key to getting this going and has become and stepped in already in what seven eight weeks he's been at the club to be a senior player and really step up um, he's a really massive part of what we're going to do in the next few years and yeah, long may continue because he's so far been absolutely excellent signing. And Tom, the, the two defenders in front of him, Kipre and NG, will come on to the fullbacks as well because they were, I mean, to a man, they were perfect. But NG and Kipre are up against Troy Deeney, a kind of 
wizened, grisly pro, and they kept him quiet. And NG had absolutely no time for Dini trying to shithouse him. Yeah, exactly. And you could see that Dini was rattled by it, you know, giving NG that barge. You know, he, he was getting zero service from his team and he was getting no joy out of our defenders. And I thought, I thought I was probably a little bit harsh on Keeper last week. I think I was just a bit frustrated after that Reading game where um, I was worried about, you know, his tendency to go wandering about. But I thought he was like really, really organised at the back there. And his shades of what we had in, in the Norwich game as well. So I, I like this. We might have Fortress CCS back as opposed to what we had under Mick McCarthy. So no, it was really good to see. On that all sort of point, though, I think I'm glad our defenders have got that confidence in him because I haven't yet because I'm, yeah. I'm still not used to a keeper doing things like that with a ball. And I was just in front of the TV like, Whoa! like every time the ball went anywhere near him. So I, well, it, was, yeah, it was it was for the goal, wasn't it? Um, obviously, it's that we'll, we'll talk about the goal in a bit more detail. But the first pass is a is slung at him in the air, and also just takes it down and starts the move from the start. Like five years ago, under whoever you know Etheridge, whoever it may be, I'd have been shitting myself at that point. But it's him nice. taking the it's, pass down. It's it slung at him in the air. It's not an easy touch, but it's on target as well. So if he doesn't stop it, that's a certain own goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the goal, especially, that was very much like, oh, fucking hell, they're not making it easy for him. Yeah. And I think he will make a mistake this season. Oh, yeah. But you'll forgive that because a lot has already a, come from like it Saturday. already. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We'll get so much more out of it than, we, than we'll get taken away. So. Yeah, I am hoping in about five or six games' time, I'll be calm when the ball's been played into him. But at the moment, I'm still a little bit ropey. Then uh, a word for the fullbacks as well. Obviously, Romeo looks an understated, classy right back who covers in from the back, makes vital tackles when he needs to, gets stuck in when he needs to, and, and runs the right uh, really well. But also, I think Collins has kind of come to the fore in the first couple of games. And I think we need to talk about that tackle he made on Scott Hogan, who looks yeah. certain to score, was through on goal. Collins kept up with him and I mean it was it was the perfect challenge wasn't it yeah that's everything you if you're trying to like get an image an example of like a perfect sliding tackle to take the ball away from someone in the box it's that because a millimeter either side a millimeter to the one side wrong or a second later that's like a stonewall penalty in a red card it's just a wonderful tackle absolutely perfect um I, I think my favorite tweet of the weekend came from Nathan L Nathan L CCFC on Romeo. It was Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Fucking everywhere is the answer. And yeah. that, summed, that was just like absolutely summed him up. He was outstanding today. Uh, I think Saturday. it was the first time we saw the best of him and Rinomoto, right? Because I think Rinomoto was all action. He was everywhere. I think he was almost doing the, the, the legwork behind Wintle, who was playing those passes, which we, you know, I didn't expect to see. And Romeo was the same. There's an under kind of stated quality to the fact that he just gets about the pitch. He gets to the ball and does the simple things really well. Yeah, and Morrison was talking up how he wants to see a bit more. He's a different player to the player Morrison dealt with at Millwall, which played with. He wants to bring out a bit more of the attacking flair because apparently he thinks sometimes he's a bit too defensive. And yeah, I'm really excited to see that because... So far, he does everything I like. He pisses off racists. Absolutely <laughs> solid, solid defender and looks good going forward. Um, yeah, I think we're on to a winner with him as well. It's two very, very exciting fullbacks. Um, Tom, let's talk about the goal. Um, first off, it was a lovely goal, but I think amongst that, we need to talk about just how good O'Dowd has been so far. Um, I think three games into the season, two assists, one goal. Um, I think that's more than he created in two years or something at yeah. Bristol City. I think Glenn Williams tweeted that. Um, he did that a couple of times during the game, didn't he? Where he came came short, 
played the ball back and then took off the defender and took took away from him for the run. And it it proved brilliant for the second goal. And just how perfect was his cross for Philogene? Oh, you knew exactly where he's putting it, didn't he? Well, it was it was nice of Birmingham to give us twenty five meters of space. To be yeah. fair, as well, mind. But it was a great. Yeah, it was like went the ball from Wintle into Dowder, and you know it, it was put exactly where it needed to be for Philogene in the box. And it was a lovely work move. Um, and yeah, he's been classy since he joined us, Odauda. I think you said earlier about Romeo understated. I think Odauda's one of the yeah, ones where we kind of just like shrugged our shoulders, and went, oh, okay, someone for the squad. But he's turned out to be brilliant so far. You know, he's had some injury problems in the past. You know, he hasn't had a, a brilliant run of games at times. And he looks like someone who's just benefiting being in a system that he understands playing in. And I'm really excited now. If he could score against Bristol as well, just to really cement it. Oh. You know, you know, then I think he's over his like fan probation period. Then I think, yeah. I think we're, you know, I think he's sort of done keep him for on. Him. Keep, yeah, keep, keep him a permanent contract. Yeah, exactly. But no, he's been fantastic. I've been really, really impressed by him. And talk about Philogene again, Tom. He there was two times he did that where he got into the middle. The first time the ball went behind him, which I think was you know clever with the diverting runs. Second one, he got on the goal. How important is it for our wingers to kind of almost be acting as second strikers in those positions? Obviously, we're we're playing with like one solid striker but he can only occupy so much. Those second wingers need to come in and act as second strikers. And he did it perfectly on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. And if you saw, we saw shades of it last year when, you know, Bagan went on a little bit of a run, arriving mm-hmm. late into the box and finishing. And we can see that coming out of like Morrison's plans. And Philogene's the perfect person to be doing that. He's tricky. You know, I, I get excited when he gets the ball. He is quick. And I think he's going to cause a lot of problems with defences this year. That That's turned out to be a brilliant bit of business. Again, for a player where most people, I'd say, wouldn't have even heard of him, really. I think there was a lot of frantic Googling from the Cardiff fan base and then saying it's a great sign-in within 10 seconds of it when he when he did sign. But no, I've been really impressed with him so far and I, yeah, he looks at a really, really exciting prospect. Um, there is some controversy to talk about, though, Ben. Uh, a Bluebird legend asked us to discuss the two penalty incidents. I'll come to you first on the Birmingham penalty. I've got my view on this, but I want to know what your view is, Ben. Was it a penalty? The The second tier seemed to think it was a Stonewall penalty. Um, a few Birmingham fans think it's a Stonewall penalty. What do you think? Was it a penalty? It's one of those ones, if it goes against, if it's for your club, you think it's a Stonewall penalty. If it's your player, if it's your defending club, you're like not a chance it was a penalty. So I can see both sides of it, to be honest. Um, if it was the other way, I'd be fuming it wasn't given. But I can also see why the ref didn't give it. Um, but I'd probably be a bit, yeah, I'd be very disappointed if it wasn't given. So, so I can understand their annoyance with that. I think the only reason it wasn't given, given was because Keypray's run was very straight. Like, I think if you, you know, on, on our penalty... O'Dowda was very cute, and we'll come to that and talk about whether this was a penalty as well. I get this body in front of a man who was kind of making a wild kind of lunge towards him. Kipre runs straight and doesn't really put his foot across him, doesn't really make a make a move towards him. And I think that's why the referee doesn't give it, right? Because he hasn't made an action to trip him up. They've just kind of clashed legs as they're both running. Yeah, it's 100%. There is no intent to sort of take the man out or anything like that. It's not a sort of dark arts play, sort of clipping the man to stop his run or take him off his stride. If anything, keepers kept in a straight line, and the uh, yeah. and H- Hogan's changed direction. Again, he's not gone in to look to dive. I hundred percent don't think that was a dive, um, or like sort of playing for it. It's just like you said, it's just one of those those players just happened to clash at the same time. So yeah, um, I said the ref probably. If you look at the rules, the ref probably did get it right, but. Yeah, if that was the other way around, I'd be fuming it wing. <laughs> yeah, I think it ben- benefits keeper benefits the fact that Hogan hasn't got the beating of him. Yeah, like he's behind much- him as well at all times. Exactly. Well, just you know, 
not behind yeah. him, but neck and neck, basically. It, so at no point did it look like a cynical trip because yeah. Yeah. Hogan didn't have the beat him of him at that point. But I, I didn't think it was a penalty. I don't think it was. I, I, I don't know. I can, I can, I, I agree with you, Ben, in terms of I think we'd be, a, I'd be a little bit annoyed if we weren't given it. But I, I don't know what second tier on about. I, well, I know what they did. They're trying to rile up our fan base again. But um, uh, I, I don't think there's any controversy in there at all. I don't. There's no way it's a stonewall for sure. No. Uh, and conveniently, the second tier missed uh, our penalty incident or free kick incident, whatever it may be. Which, in my opinion, Tom, I'll come to you on this one, was probably more of a foul than Keepray's one because if you look there, O'Dowda gets his body in the way, and their central midfielder shoves him in the back a little bit, makes an action with his leg to try and get the ball and gets nowhere near it. But I can also see why it wasn't given as well, because it does seem like a coming together of two players. No, I think I, I, I don't know why it's not given. I don't think there's any shadow of doubt in it. That's a penalty. I think this one's different because he's ahead of him. Yeah, it's not, well, it's it's precisely. Not a, yeah, it's not a subtle touch of the thigh on thigh like the other one was. This was, he's brought him down, in my opinion. You know, he's clearing on on goal, like if he doesn't do it. And I, th- I think it's a bit cynical. He knows what he's doing. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, well, I can believe it's not given. I think I wouldn't be surprised in the referee's mind. He's going, look, he I haven't given the one earlier on. Yeah. And we naturally do that. I think there is going to be a case for that because, you know, on, in a split second, you might think, oh, it's almost identical. I can't give one and not the other. But for me, yeah. that one's absolutely, that's a penalty all day long. It carries on into the box as well. So I don't think it's a free kick either. I think it's a penalty. And I, I couldn't believe that one wasn't given. Well, um, I, I yeah, I, I, I think our one was definitely more of a stone, you know, a stone wall bit compared to theirs. So I was shocked that ours wasn't given, but I do, I think it was just a case of the referee balancing things up with his hairband. Um, Ben, how refreshing is it to see Cardiff control a game from start to finish? Um, you know, an old Cardiff team might have just gone right one nil, let's try and absorb pressure for the rest of the game, but we still tried to attack, didn't we? Yeah, we looked really good going forward. Um, it's the most creative we looked for a while, and that was sort of. The bit that was starting to concern me a bit with everything the way it was going was like we're knocking the ball about well, and the next evolution that is sort of creating chances and coming on from that is then putting them away. But we didn't seem like you look at the Norwich game, we won, but we didn't create a lot. The Reading game, especially, we created bugger all really. Yeah. So um, yeah, to see us creating chances and sort of good clear cut chances, you're sort of annoyed we didn't score more, is another really really encouraging sign. And just showing how quickly this team's gelling, and it's sort of okay. Reading wants to step back. You can sort of see where it went wrong, and the ho- to build at home and go from there, and sort of take the next step up and say like this team's really progressing. It's it's really really encouraging to see, and sort of nice to see how quick this team's gelling. Uh, Tom uh, Ben's touched on it there, but should it have been more? Obviously, Waters had that guilt-ed chance. Tete put one wide. Um, we had other chances where I think Wintle had a close shot that just skimmed past the post. Um, it could have been four or five, really, couldn't it? Yeah, it should have been. That Tete one was wasn't even close. He should have <laughs> no. to, like I, I saw on tw- Twitter, like when he was signing for us, people were saying like he's not very good in the air, and I I do believe them now because <laughs> um, that was an, an atrocious head. I, 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 do you I think he was you're... stretching for it a little bit? No, we don't. No, it's a bad, bad header. But I think with the Waters win, I think it's a good save for the one-on-one. But I think Dog Goodman said in the commentary, you've got to lift it in that position. Yeah. If you lift it, like 90% of the time, that's going in. And, you know, Ruddy gets a good foot to it. But, you, should, you know, I, th- I think Waters should have been a little bit more savvy there. And, yeah, the, the ball did bounce off him a little bit in clinical areas. But I think he did enough outside of that 
that you shouldn't be getting berated by people. But I, I'd worry if we're still like that in about four or five games' time. But I, I'll at the moment I'll 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 be like what Ben said earlier on. I'm be optimistic that we're creating those chances in the first place because you worry if you're not creating chances, the goals will hopefully soon come. What well, is, is sorry? What is is such an interesting thing like the reaction to him? Um, I think Atete's miss was a lot worse than his. Yes. I think I completely agree with you there, and he hasn't got half the grief. Um, I thought what is off the ball was fantastic, creating spaces and looked really yeah. sharp looking for the ball. Um, I tweeted about it. If he's playing for MK Dons, he scores that one-on-one and goes on a nice little run and probably gets a couple on Saturday. You've also got to get into a fact as well. He wasn't well. It's sort of hard to it's hard to sort of think about lifting a shot over a keep when you're concentrating on not shitting yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> it all balances up. I think Waters did really well and more than enough to sort of justify him starting the next game because, yeah, I was really annoyed when it came out that he was subbed and I thought it was because because of the miss, but it turns out he was just unwell. So hopefully if he's well enough to start, West Brom's a difficult one because they're quite, they're a big solid team that's sort of hard to break down. But um, yeah, I hope it's not the end of him in the squad for that because I think he deserves another run. I think when he gets one, he'll get a few. I'm really confident of that, the way he's looking. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, And I think, you know, we we can come on to the substitution now. I think, he got hauled off at half-time. Uh, I wrote pulled off there. Um, he got hauled off at half-time by Morrison, but it did transpire that he was ill. I thought it was unfair if it was going to be for the, you know, for any other reason, really. So I think it's fair enough that he was ill. Um, he missed, you know, people will say he missed the sitter, but it was a really good save by the keeper. He had three shots on target. His overall play was much better. And obviously it formed a kind of a, a cornerstone of the press office, um, the press office, the press conference after the game, um, Tom, where, you know, Steve Morrison had a... Verbal volley, a verbal argument um, with a journalist. I still don't know who the journalist was. It was Dan um, Nato. Uh, is that confirmed? Apparently, yeah. It's apparently, so it's not confirmed. Um, <laughs> so I don't know who the journalist was, and I'm not. I'm not in in a in the business of, of you know slagging out a journalist if it's only apparently Ben. Yeah, confirmation is important in this game. Um, what was your take on that argument, Tom? Do you think Morrison was right? The journalist was right? Do they both have points? Because I. It, <laughs> It felt a bit of an unnecessary argument, even though I understand where both were coming from. Yeah, like at first when when we when we found out like Waters was ill, I thought, oh, is he ill? Or has you know Steve suddenly learned diplomacy? And then <laughs> it quickly transpired he hadn't. Um, and I think the journalist, like straight away, by using the word negative at the beginning, yeah. just you could see Morrow. It's like a red away, rag like, to a bull, right, isn't it? Here I go. Yeah. And there was no need for it to be that aggressive. Things are going relatively well at the moment. So, you know, at the moment, keep journalists on side because you'll need them further down the line when you know, when, when things aren't going quite as well. You know, there's a way of saying, look, I thought he had a good game off the ball. You know, he's a strike game. He frustratedly didn't score it, but I'm sure those chances will come. I, I think his movement was fantastic, whatever. I, it was kind of unnecessary. I do like that he's sticking up for his players now, not throwing them under the bus. So mm-hmm. I'll take it as a as a you know an optimistic thing at the moment, but he has got to learn to rein it in a little bit with journalists because I think you said it in the chat and like it, it it's very Dave Jones isn't it already kind yeah. of falling out with our local media at the beginning of the season as well when yeah it's going to be a long long season ahead so you don't want to be pissing people off who's going to be writing about you well, and the fans are going to read about it as the season goes. 
That's exactly it. I think when you're a, a local football club like Cardiff City, where you have one local publication, you, you do have the BBC, but the BBC is more national. When you have local publications like Wales Online, that you have a couple of writers who you're going to interact with throughout the season, just to kind of get that angry about them doesn't put you in good stead with them. And I think we, you know, we've, we, we, we saw it with Dave Jones, you know, when, when the chips got down, they wouldn't defend Dave Jones because he'd riled them up in the first place. And I think Steve Morrison still has more credit than Dave Jones ever did. Dave Jones took, you know, spent five years slowly eroding any sort of good faith he had with journalists. And I think there is a point to what Steve Morrison is saying, and he's always going to defend his players, but I just don't think it was the right way to go about it, which it kind of just expanded into a bigger argument than it needed to be at that stage. And I think it's too early in the season, as you said, it's too early in the season for that because there's still 43 games to come. What, 10 games in 10 games time, everything's gone to shit. You can expect this journalist to defend you in, in, in press conferences and in, in the papers. And I, think, and I think so far, Steve hasn't really had that much criticism. No. So there's not, there's not much to kind of, like kind of fight against yet. And, you know, I, I don't think you should have had criticism. That's not what I'm saying. But like he hasn't really faced anything from the fans either. He's had a lot of good grace so far. And we saw it in the Portsmouth game, like when things were going badly, he was having to stare off with someone in the, in the grandstand, I think, at one point. And I just really hope things don't go badly at some point because I don't know how he react then. But, you know, he's sticking up for our players now, so I'm fine for, for the time being. I think it just purely comes down to that question. The way It was such a poorly worded question. When you and that's what I mean. The journalist is in the wrong as much as he is. And I don't yeah. want to, you know, just defend the journalist outright. Like, it was a bad question. And I think that just sets the tone for it. And it was sort of like, I quite enjoyed it because, like, there's it, a lot of people, like, people on Twitter saying, look, that gets you, get, gets the players fired, fired up and stuff. And... I think if there's a person that really needs that sort of confidence lift and someone to show they need a bit of love and a bit of faith, yeah. it's Waters because it's not like we're not. He did well, but it's not worked out from so far here at Cardiff. So hopefully, again, it's another thing that shows that you're still you're still around now. You're still gonna be part of this squad and have a big part to play. Because yeah, for me, I yeah, I I'd have been annoyed at that question if I was in Morrison's place. I can totally understand why he lost his call, but yeah, he could have been a bit more diplomatic with it. I think, and that's it. And I think he could be a bit more diplomatic if he was trying to defend, um, you know, trying to be quite um, contrite with the answer or whatever it may be. But maybe he, maybe the way he defended it, it was be to take the heat purely off the players, right? So, you know, you, you'd always see it with Mourinho, Warnock, whoever it may be. If there was, if the heat was really on players, they would go out and start an argument with someone just so they become the headline and it doesn't become about them. And if he's done that, then that's quite clever mind games as well. Do you um, think he has though? Like genuinely. Well, I do, well that's the thing. I don't no. know. Like I'm trying to trying to put some logic to it as well because I don't know if he if he thinks that way. I don't know if that's the way he plays things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because if he had, that, that's a great point. Because you know, Waters got so much scrutiny at the end of last season from him and the fans. And I suppose you would be buzzing if your manager's, you know, shouting exactly. at journalists on your behalf. So if he has done it as a tactical play, then it's very, very clever. We'll see as the games go on if he does it again and what plays he's doing it for. But it's nice that he's like sticking up for the young, like a young player as well. It's not a seasoned, you know, campaigner that he's sticking up for there. It's not an easy win. You know, he knows he's going to get a bit of backlash from it. So, and it's also, it's, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's the opposite of what he's done before, isn't it? Where he's hung players out to try. He's done it with Waters, he did it with Isaac Davis, and then didn't really defend them when he could have defended them then. So maybe he has learned from that. And maybe he's just gone a bit too aggressive with it, which, you know, it's Steve Morrison. He's, He's a, he's a battle-hardened guy. He's going to shout at you if he wants to. So, you know, I don't want to cause an argument with him myself. So I'm glad I'm not in those press conferences anymore. But, um, 
I think um, I just think it's it's it just felt a little bit too early to be that aggressive. And while I understand his point, um, maybe just toning it down a notch may have helped things a little bit with that journalist. But he was maybe this may- answer though, like he explained it quite no, well, you completely. Can't... And like that's the thing, I don't want to like come across as being too critical of what he actually said. I just think it was perhaps a bit too aggressive for three games into the season. With yeah. uh, the maybe he's just pissed off with that journalist yeah. as well. Whatever, maybe there's beef there. I don't know, but um, I that's just my view on it. Nice. Thank you. I think we <laughs> solved that there. Um, moving on to kind of wider beefs within the fan base at the moment. Um, it's, it's something we've talked about in the group chat, and I think it's worth just kind of airing on the podcast, really. Um, I think the, the Reading game, uh, we saw another kind of crowd incident where um, there was some homophobic abuse levelled at the uh, Reading goalkeeper. A, a Cardiff fan called it out and kind of took a bit of a, a beating for it, um, a verbal beating, should we say, um, across forums and at the game and all that kind of stuff. Tom, we saw it in pre-season with ableist abuse at Swindon. And it's it's something we've talked about um, in, in the group chat as a wider thing. And we've seen lots of news stories about it as well. Um, just what's kind of happening with football fans at the moment. It just seems to be a kind of regression in in their behaviour. Yeah, I think we like, well, we touched on it for about two seconds last week. Which I, I think I said, I don't know if I'm just getting older and like like a bit more cranky about stuff for this, but I think it is just a major issue at the moment. It's just, there is a kind of air of, I don't know, not Anarchy. violence. Yeah, there's just an aggressive tone to a lot of games, especially away from home at the moment. And like, you know, we all get carried away with stuff, you know, like Ryan March called me out for giving too many closed fist <laughs> waves to the QPR fans. And like we all do stuff like that from time to time. But when it starts to go down the homophobic route, the ableist route, sexism and things like that, it's just it's it's far it's not, too far. Yeah. There's no there's no controversy in it. it it's it's just bad. It, it should not be done in this day and age. Um and and fair play, I think it was Kenneth, wasn't it, who yes. um saw on Twitter. That's a bold move to call it out because you don't know you'll have people calling you a grass, you'll have people, you know, threatening you and things like that. So I think it's a real bold move to kind of call it out. And I think we need to see you more. Should be of applauded. It. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. But I I think that it's not just our fan base, but it, it is a real problem with our fan base at the moment. But like you said, it's a wider kind of societal issue in football. And you know, you've got a lot of people pointing to, you know being stuck inside with covid you know the younger generation venting frustrations there's been mentioned like class a drugs and stuff in football so i think it's like a massive concoction of a lot of issues at the same time but it needs to be stamped out and the more people call it out the better uh was that just your review of the drugs there they're, they're class a um Don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much no no I, I i i think we talked about it in the group chat and the, the, what i pointed it to is like I think I think you know football away fans. There's, there's always a certain kind of group of person or type of person who goes on these away games, and you know it, it, they're there to kind of have a release on the weekend, aren't they? Have a few beers with their mates, all that kind of stuff, and act out a little bit these games. I mean, I you know I'm probably as guilty of it as anyone of giving closed fist salutes to to other uh, football fans and all that kind of stuff. So I totally get it. But I think what I you know we, we talked about it in the group chat, and I think there is that element of kind of coming out of lockdown and the last couple of years have been so bad, but also a general societal shift in the way things are and the way people are feeling. There's a lot more anger in society at the moment. There's a lot more, um, I mean, society society's kind of falling apart a little bit, isn't it? Like there's a general strike feeling in the air. Energy bills are up. People's, people's pay packets aren't going a long way anymore. And they go to these games and they probably get a bit excited and have a bit too much fun and, and kind of lose themselves a little bit in that. But 
I think the, the the kind of things we're seeing that we've seen at, at Cardiff City games and has been called out, the homophobia, the, the ableist abuse at Swindon is called out by the disabled supporters group, just shouldn't be happening. I'd like... Cardiff City for me has always been a relatively inclusive place to go and watch football. I've, you know, when I sat in the Cardiff, uh, the, the old Ninian Park, I sat amongst both both um, male and female football fans who were there having a good time at the same time. When we moved to the CCS, the same thing happened. We sat in a really diverse group of people and it always felt like a welcoming place. And the kind of things we're seeing at the moment kind of makes me think it's less of a welcoming place than it used to be. I think I saw, you know, I'm not going to name the message board's name, but I think every fucker can know who it is. I've seen people go on that message board and say, we're a, a potentially an LGBT plus friendly group of football fans who want to go watch Cardiff City games. And they got shouted down by this by this message board by saying, why do you want to be different? We're all football fans. We all go together. Why set up a fucking support squad for anyone then? Like, it's the same thing. People just yeah. want to sit with people who are like-minded, their friends, whatever it may be, and in a safe and inclusive environment. Why make it difficult for people who just want to go watch a football match? It doesn't make any sense to me. Cardiff's been known for years as one of the most diverse places in the UK. Like, you look at the history of, like, Cardiff from, like, the early, like, 19th century with the docks and stuff like that. It's all kind yeah. of, like, it's massive areas of immigration. It's always been welcoming. The club's based in that area of the city. It's a massive thing, and I think you sort of you're on about giving like the the closed fist salutes to a couple of QPR fans, right? Calling them wankers, just in case anyone doesn't know. Yes, yeah. there's a massive difference between calling a random group of people wankers and getting a bit carried away, and we all do it. Like that, it's a bit childish, a bit puerile. Fine, you can say whatever it is, but we've all been guilty of it. I can excuse that. You can't excuse specifically aiming at one person who's seemingly got an issue. And the difference between calling someone a wanker and putting something before that word and calling them a something wanker, yeah. that's when you become a cunt. That's when you become just an absolute rotten human being. There's no need to go for that lo- level. Call someone a wanker all you want, but don't bring any condition, like don't bring the colour of skin there, don't bring the disability into it, don't bring the sexuality into it. People can be dickheads, that's fine. You can disagree with them, if, that's fine. But you can't put, shit, put labels on it because that's just when you become an absolute knobhead. And I think I think the club are doing more, you know, the, the disabled supporters group, uh, group. Sorry, we saw them at Swindon. There's a lot of them traveling together. There's a lot of people in that group and they're doing the, the club are really engaging with them. And that's a really good thing. I want to see more of that from the club because I think they misstepped with the um, uh, was it the Black Lives Matter kind of portrait. Um, they misstepped with that. And I think they could do more of that because you're right, Ben, the, the city is so diverse. You know, I, I grew up you know, um, in Cardiff in the early 2000s. Like, whenever we went to a different school across football, we'd play people from all over the world, basically, in these schools. And it was so, it was so nice. It was so enjoyable because everyone just got on. And I think what the club should be doing is going into the schools in the, you know, these areas that are dominated by certain groups of people and just try and work with them to get them involved in the football club and show that it is a football club for all. Because I think that would do go a long way to making it, a, again, a more inclusive place to go and going a long way to educating people about what is right and wrong to say, which is mental that we have to say this in 2022. People should know that it's not right to say the things they say, but you go on some message boards and they're trying to justify that behaviour. I think though, there's, there's been a fear in the past, isn't there, of losing certain factions of our fan base. And I think that was in the past where I think we were kind yeah. of sucking up to certain parts of our fan base. But to be honest with you, I'd rather be in an empty stadium and not have those people there. Yeah. Like I don't care about, I, I, and you know, and I know it's a business and stuff, they want people coming in, but we don't need that. And if we have to have empty stands because a load of people decide to walk because we'd be more inclusive, then great. Because then we'll get a new fan base coming in and it'll be better for us in the future. Because to be honest, I'm tired of hearing this type of language in football. It, it's just, it is just tiring. And it's not directed at me. I, and, but it, so I can only imagine what it's like for the people who have to listen to it 
who yeah. are like who it's being aimed at. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be great by the end of the season to see it being stamped out. But to be honest with you, it doesn't feel like that at the moment. But these are the same people that will cry out that Cardiff's lost its identity, right? So say if we ran a campaign like the My City, My Shirt stuff, like, and yeah. you look at the mural and stuff like that, like, these people are identity. They are what make Cardiff City, Cardiff City. That's what makes Cardiff, Cardiff, is the people like that. That's what makes Cardiff such a unique and wonderful place to live. It's what makes the valleys in South Wales so great. It's because, look, we're quite a welcoming bunch to South Wales, aren't we? Like, for the most part. Yeah. Everyone's friendly. For the most part, it's just, yeah, it's just a shame that people can't see that because they feel like they're being persecuted. When, look, no one, when, when you run campaigns like that, no one's saying because you're a white guy, and let's be honest, it is white males that it comes from. We're not saying you're any less important to the club. We're just celebrating the other part of the identity because yeah. we've had a hundred odd years of celebrating the white guy at football. Let's celebrate the other people that are involved with it as well. I think that's why that's why you know like we, we I've said it already the disabled supporters group is really important for that inclusive um fo- you know football environment the 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 her game two stuff that Brittany Lang's doing is hugely important because it just opens up the doors and shows that it isn't just about white blokes going to football matches which like you say Ben it traditionally has been and you know I, I say this as a a very very classically white bloke who's in his thirties from Cardiff like you know I. I'm sick of seeing other people like me at football matches. I want to see more of the more of the other groups of people who live in Cardiff. And um, I think Cardiff, I think Cardiff City could could do more, and probably should be doing more, frankly. And I hope to see more, 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 more diverse faces at games in the future. I think that's covered that off, isn't it? I think we've solved it. I won't say solved, but we've highlighted it. <laughs> we have highlighted it. Um, Moving on from there to our Twitter questions as usual. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us on the podcast in the future at VFT Ninian, uh, you can find us on Twitter there. Uh, first question to you, Ben, uh, from Jamie Pryor. Serious question, lads. How childish and outrageous is it for referee to have a hairband on a scale of one to ten? Players bad enough, but now referees too. Really made me uneasy watching Darren Bond on Saturday. Drove me nuts. And it was like so standout. He obviously colour matched it to his referee shirt as well. I reckon he's got like a lime green one for when he's playing in black. I just, I hated it. I don't know why it really, really wound me up. I like, I can forgive like the penalty decision. I can forgive, forgive anything like that. But a referee wearing a headband is just a no. It was like, it was Jack Grealish in 50 years time. It just was really, really strange. And I'm not one of these against modern football wankers. I quite like modern football because that's where I've learned to watch all my football. But yeah, I'm not having a referee with a headband. Not having what about what about a referee with a tattoo, Ben? Is that all right? That's fine. Like, I've got no problem with Clattenburg getting the Champions League final tattooed on him and stuff. They're big milestones and important things to celebrate. It shows he genuinely loves football. I don't have a problem with that headband. But a hairband? No, no, I haven't. Oh come on! I'm, I think I, it's fine. Yeah, I thought it was jarring at first, but I think I was just jealous. <laughs> I, I know there's a certain host of this podcast who wears a hairband himself to play football. So. Yeah, I do wear a hairband. Yeah, and, and, and the referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the, yeah but, but the referee's running around as much as the footballers are, if not more. If you look at our yeah. performances last season. Also, the only thing I was jealous of was the fact that he was able to keep his hairband in perfectly the whole game. Mine That's pulls true. out every five minutes. <laughs> I, I, and the color coordination, fair play to him. Yeah, there shows a bit of effort and thoughts gone into it. So I like two against it. one here, Ben. Yeah. yeah. So two for the for the hair and one against it. <laughs> Game's gone. This podcast gone, boys, as well. It's this just... is going to be just as controversial as Kebab Gate from last week. Isn't Watch it? your fucking mentions, boys, because trust me, yeah. people don't like it. <laughs> uh, still not a genius, Tom. With two home clean sheets to open the season, is it likely that we'll be a tough team to visit this season? Or is that wishful thinking? 
No, I think we will. I think at home we've got a way that we're going to set up and I think that we're going to benefit from it. I think we look like we're going to be a tough team to beat. The, on, the only thing I worry about is if we start to get a couple of injuries. I think I think we're still looking a little bit light at the back. And, you know, McGuinness, I know he's been injured, but he seems to be out of favour as well at the moment. So be interested to see what goes on there. But in, in our current state, I think we'll be, we'll be difficult to break down at home. I do still worry then about our creativity away from home. Um, and I think West Brom now this week would be a real test because they don't come much tougher than that really this season. Um, ben, G's World asks, do we need a musical director for the canter then? Because we desperately need some new songs and chants. Yeah, it's strange that we haven't had any really good new chants sort of catch on since probably Bakuna with the tequila song. And that died out pretty. <laughs> that died out pretty quickly as well. When we were realized. Is that is that is that probably because we've got, just got so many new players? Yeah, they'll take time, and hopefully we can pick up a few good ones. Because yeah, it's been um, yeah, for a club that was sort of known in the past for its creative and clever songs, we've gone a bit boring. Yeah, we've struggled for a while now. I think it's the same like two or three tunes, just insert name here, depending on syllables. It's all to Snoop John B in it. Yeah, and it's just yeah, this and because of social media as well. When you when a like a, a team does a chant, it quickly gets picked up by a load of other clubs. So there's not as much original stuff coming from our fan base now. Mind you, I haven't created one either, so I don't know why I'm having a go at people. I yeah, Tom, it's all your fault, mate. Go on, yeah. think of one now. No, <laughs> Come on. no, 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 no. I'll get back to you next week. I'll have a list. Well, of we could just. Time. I've got one. You know when Jack Simpson uh, comes on the pitch, we just go as a as a, a, a stand. We just go the Simpson, like the Simpsons. Plus, we should just stick to what we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Adam Cameron. Uh, ben, good result. Well, both of you actually. Good result yesterday. Who was your man of the match? He personally can't stop thinking about Calamo Dowder's magic moves and a wink face emoji. So, um, who was your man of the match? Player of the match, Tom, Ben. Um, Odowda for me. Um, I Odauda. thought, yeah, I thought he was, yeah, complete. and close second with Collins. Ben, it's, uh, between Collins and Romeo for me, both fullbacks are outstanding. Romeo, all right, I'm gonna go with Wintle. Just because he's underrated. No one ever mentions him. Um, Ellis Hearn, I'll come to you, Ben, on this one. Do you think a striker is imperative before the window closes? Or do you feel like it's what we... So I'll start that again. Do you think that a striker is imperative before the window closes? Or do you feel like with what we've got, given time and growing in confidence, we'll be fine? Um, I think it, it's, an, it's a nice thing to have. We get another senior striker. We get a more senior striker in, but it's not a must-buy. I don't think we're screwed with that. I think we'll be quite all right with Waters getting a run of times at uh, getting a get getting a run of games. Um yeah, I I'm not like crying out as much as I was in the past thinking we're desperate for one. I think I think we'd get by fine if we don't sign another one. All right, bold. Uh one for you Tom Frag Donuts. More importantly, will the fan base of Cardiff City will ever be happy? Whatever the result, performance of Cardiff City on the weekend normally sets the tone for the week. After a good performance like that on Saturday, I come on Twitter to find everyone moaning, which shuts the mood down. I think we're quite happy at the moment, Tom. Do you agree? Yeah, we weren't midweek. Um, oh, no. But we, I'm so glad we had a game in quick succession. But I think we were, I think the fans were largely happy. We were just, there's a lot of splits around. And I think it was just because when, when you've got your manager shouting at journalists, you're gonna have split opinions and stuff down. So of I think course. there was, I think for once there was healthy debate. I'm gonna, I reckon more than normal. There wasn't as much anger. There was just a difference in opinions. Boisterous debate. Yes, you would go with that. 
Ben, Stephen Williams, he asks, following on from Kebabgate last week, we're not talking about kebabs here, Ben, does anyone know what's happened to the Codfather in Canton? Messed up my pre-match routine on a Tuesday. Any other Canton food recommendations? Also after Tuesday, Gavin White is not the answer, nor is Daley Campbell. Useless. Where do you go for food in Canton, Ben? I, use, I actually used to, I didn't realise the Codfather had closed. That's um. Spotty, I'm a big yeah. fan. Was it is Sen Barbecue? Sen Barbecue's in Canton, isn't it? Yep, there's good. That's classic. Um, I, the I corporation like, yard food yard has some good just some good. I just say that the corporation it's a bit hipstery, bit sort of street foody and like. That's why I like but, it. But I'm a fan. Yeah, the wing place there is always good, and if both collectors there, absolutely massive win. Tom, any Canton food recommendations? No, I think you've kind of covered it there. I was a big kind of burger van advocate, and the days yeah. when it's the driver from West Wales. They were on my route, but now I come in from train. Yeah, varies. I have to forget to eat, to be honest with you. And then I'm stuck with the food inside the stadium, which is tripe. But where's the where's the best burger van you've been to? Well, around the ground. Yeah. To be honest, it depends on my mood. So like um there, 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 there's, two that, there's two that were opposite each other, right? On the way into the ground, if you're coming down like sort of a road bay. And I used to depend on my mood to go to which one. I couldn't make my mind up which which one I liked the most, to be honest. I'm not really fussy. I'll the one on the corner. By the bus state by the bus depot yeah. for me is the best one I've had because the one on the bus depot side yes. rather than the one across. Yeah. I yeah, I like, yeah. I just love a shit burger. Like a yeah. two pound fifty burger at the football, where the meat content of that burger is probably about nine percent. Um with a, a bit of plastic cheese kind of in like a tissue. You don't get it in a box, you get it in a tissue, tissue. you have to walk yeah. with. Yeah. All over it, mate. Um, Cardiff match worn shirt observations. I'm amazed at how we've assembled the squad. Seems crazy that players like O'Dowda, Romeo, Collins, Kipre weren't locked down and were su- surplus at their previous clubs. Feel like Morrison has really pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Um, it's true, isn't it, Ben? Like he's done wonders in the transfer window with some of these players. Yeah, we go back to it. It's it's all about having a plan. It's looking at. It's not getting players and putting them in a position like we've had done in the past. He said himself. He's looked at what he's needed, looked at the players available and found the players he thinks suits that position. And he's, I tell you what, his PowerPoints must be fucking outstanding <laughs> because it doesn't seem like we missed on many and everyone's been a hit so far. So fair play to him because, yeah, it's quite easy to sort of, you see a lot of clubs very early on do these rebuilds and they have a really, really shit start. So, yeah, it's um, coming together quite quickly. So, yeah, he's done really well. I wonder what kind of transitions he's using on the slides in his PowerPoint. Like, are they are they folding up? Are they sliding in? Are they like dissolving into the screen? Oh, Everyone loves so. yeah, some like word app just like, yeah, going it's like spinning like in. Yeah, 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 that'd be great. Every time you click, something else happens. There's a spinny. <laughs> Actually, the presentation is only five minutes, but it takes four hours with all the effects <laughs> he uses. Uh, and the players at the end of it are so knackered they just sign. Um, <laughs> Tom. Mike Dibble asks, when was the last time that the opposition didn't even have a shot on goal for the entire match? I can't remember a time, but my memory's shite. Yeah, to be honest, that's not my focus of attention when I go to most games counting that. But I think it, it's definitely a good sign because even the shots they did attempt were all outside the box, I think, as yeah. well. Like we just limited them to absolutely nothing. But yeah, it's fantastic. And we did it to Norwich as well. Like they had they had some shots, obviously, but we limited them a lot more than we did last year. So yeah, I'm excited by that. Two waters-related questions now, Ben. One from K4 
9745 and one from Simbo Morgs. How many games are we going to waste with Waters against better opposition? These miss start going to costing us points. Get well soon, lads. Thanks, Kay. Uh, and Simbo Morgs says, do you think Waters will get many more chances? I'm desperate for him to score. And I think once he does, he'll be off and running. What are your thoughts? You think he starts on Wednesday, Ben? Um, I think if he's fit, he starts, yeah. Just purely from a confidence thing of like, you did well, here's your reward. Because Tete is probably going to, over, over the course of the season, you sort of hope he's going to come good and be a more, probably start more than what is. But at the moment, I've not seen enough for me to go for sure fire Tete's a starter over Waters. So yeah, if he's fit, he starts for me. Tom, I think you, you're going to start Waters on Wednesday, aren't you? I don't know. I don't know if it's like a horses for courses then. I don't know if Mark Harris gets a start just because the type of game it'll be. I think, you know, it's going to be a big physical affair. And if Waters is coming off the back of an illness, I don't you I don't think you risk him. And I think as a manager, you use that as an excuse not to play him as well. Um, it's interesting the comments like with Morrison. I'm not sure. I think he said something about Atete being like a long-term project. So I'm not sure if he does see him as a starter just yet either. I think personally, I wouldn't mind to see him start, but I've got a feeling it might we might see Mark Harris. Marky Mark. Uh, Win Howells. Where's Mick McCarthy? Played only two centre-backs who could pass the ball. will never catch on. Here, here. Oliver Reese, Copy and paste performance from Norwich game. Home form will be important if we're to get the table. Hoping the Reading second half performance was a one-off. Still think we're a striker short. I liked SM comments defending Waters when he was questioned by a journalist. Ben, the question has reared its ugly head. Our friend Ryan March. Hope the ankle's getting better. What source do you think Steve Morrison has in his kebab? I've got an answer for this, Ben. If you don't want to take the heat anymore, I can answer. Oh, he takes a heat. He's 100% chilli and garlic mayo, isn't he? I always think it's as much chilli as legally allowed. Yeah. See, I reckon, I reckon he's no salad, no bread, no sauce, just meat. Just meat and chilli? Yeah, just, not even chilli, just, just literally a, like a box of meat. Oh, no, no, he has, no faff. He has chilli sauce of that and maybe a, ha- a pickled jalapeno on top. We'll Pickled jalapeno. Yeah, well, maybe that's one for the press conference. You probably shout our heads off. <laughs> <laughs> Not like by Mark the Right now, that's the questions I'm after, boys. Yeah, yeah to be honest, yeah. Um, my canco. Oh, so what do we decide? Sorry, it's just so Tom, you're going just me. Yeah. And me and you, Ben. The Bens are going lots of chili. Yeah. All right, cool. I think we've answered that one for you, Ryan. Hope the ankle's okay. Mike Hancock, it's not just the growth of the team we're seeing, but the growth of Morrison. Sticking up for his players and saying if tactics fail, that would be on him. Last season, you feel he'd have hammered some of his players for those misses in the public domain. Um, Adam Tibbs, WBA, West Bromwich Albion. I really struggled with that one just then. Will be a massive test, but playing like that, I think we can go there and win. But following that, just how important is it that SM gets a win in the seven-side derby on the weekend after last season shambles in all four derbies? We'll come to the derbies, uh, the, the Bristol game towards the end of the pod. Uh, ben, would Graben, this is from Jensen CCFC, be a good player to add to the striking department? Would you grab a Graben? I don't know if I would, but I, I just don't like him. Um, I can see why people want him, but I just don't like the bloke. Um, I think his personality would upset the team as well. I don't think he's the right fit for or after. But if he came in, I wouldn't be too upset. Tom, is there anyone realistically that you think we should add to the striking department? I don't, I don't mind the idea of grabbing, to be honest with you, because I think I said before, like he was captain at times up Forest as well. So they saw him as a leader. You know, he is a proven goal scorer. And I think even if he's not getting regular game time, it's something, you know, it's another challenge for the strikers we've already got there to compete with. So I wouldn't be completely adverse to it, to him coming in. But it's just, I can't imagine us giving him enough, enough money to entice him in in the first place. 
And there's talk, obviously, as well, of, of Hugh Gill. Uh, Mike Dibble's mentioned it. A few other people have mentioned it. There's there's a rumour doing the rounds that Hugh Gill is on his way out of Norwich. He's in courts with the Championship Club. Would you take him back, Ben? No. I don't think he's better than what we've got. Um, he was like, he did really well for us last season. I really enjoyed him at the club. He seems like a lovely bloke. and Yeah, but he's not the answer to sort of we need a goal scorer. We need someone that's going to score goals. He's definitely, I don't think he's that for us in this team. Alan Griffith, we're going up as fucking champions. Also, Booman for the cup result. Booman indeed. Um, Anthony Jones, who should replace Keeper at West Brom? I'd like to see Denham get a run out. We'll talk about the West Brom game coming up. Terry Hansen, yeah, conversation should be had about what we think about Morrison's press conference and his stat defending of Waters. He generally seems to think he's good, whereas to us, it looks like he's never going to score. Will we ever see what he sees? I think we've covered that off. Uh, we'll talk about the Bristol game. There's a question from George L. there around that. Uh, two questions from Daniel Morgan. I'll save those for the end. Tom, Gareth Entercott, what's going on with McGuinness? I don't know. Um, but it, it does <laughs> seem to be some rumours that I, he might be on his way out, like I've, I've seen. So that would be a real pity, because I think at times last season we were saying he was a potential future captain of the club. Yes, he's a bit raw. He's got a mistake in him, but he's clearly a good footballer, you know, I, I'd be gutted if he did go. I, I think there's a real player there that we can take advantage of. So I hope there's nothing more than he, he's just not fully fit at the moment. But it, it does seem a bit of a strange one. And that leads into the next question from Adam, my brother. What three players are leaving? And you can't say Curtis Nelson. Ben, what three players are leaving? Um, if three were to leave, I'd imagine... Um, Mark Harris, no. Uh, Tom Sang, I think. It wouldn't surprise me to see him go out. Um... Yeah, McGuinness wouldn't surprise me. Um, other than that, I don't. Really, I can't really think of a third. King? Gavin White. Yeah, Gavin White. Yeah, I, be I think that. White would be more likely to go over King at this moment because I think yeah. King would probably benefit from being around the first team squad a little bit more. Well, White, I just don't see where he gets into the first team in a league game at the moment. I don't see him playing. I I don't see him coming off the bench. If you're looking for wingers, yeah. we've got better options there. We don't really play a ten. If we do, Colwell's going in there. I, yeah, I just don't see where he plays. I don't think he's a bad player or anything, but I just don't see. He's not a good player, though. No, he's he's not. You're not going to look to change a game in an attacking position. Tom, who do you say? Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think so. Because um, we were struggling for bodies, so like we were getting, we got a lot of people in. There wasn't a huge amount of like replace replacing people. I think we just needed a bigger squad. So I think yeah, the names that came up probably sum it up. To be honest. Uh, Ryan, I just enjoy Morrison's tenacity. He has given his players the attitude that they will run through brick walls for each other. Don't underestimate how much of a part the Heat played yesterday were growing as a team. Trust the process. King K, please don't take my keeper away. I'm afraid we have to on Wednesday. He can't play. Um, Sam Hill, Stephen's recruitment team done an amazing job in getting in top players that fit his desired play style. Lovely to see a city side play football. Steve really backed Waters in his presser too. Does Paul abandon that to stand a chance in a fight with Steve Morrison? I don't think many people stand a chance in a fight with Steve Morrison, um, frankly. Um, Matt Diff MJ, Morrison's defence of Waters in the Tete to the media felt like one also aimed at the fans, had a good 45, and if his one-on-one chance, one -on chance was lifted a few inches higher, he'd be lauded for the goal. Small margins in football. Uh, Gareth Dunning, we are Cardiff fans. We get carried away. What's the chances of us being grounded? Realisation that one defeat, bad performance by a player, doesn't mean we are a relegation fodder or a player is bad. A win doesn't make a contender. It's like a roller coaster on steroids. Chill. That's what we do when we support a football team. We lose our minds a little bit. Um, 
And I'll leave the last questions to Daniel Morgan because he's given us one serious one and one good one. Uh, well, one not so serious one. Serious <laughs> question. Do you reckon Rubin could play up top? I thought the whole team looked better with Waters on top, but he just can't finish. Um, Tom, could uh, Ruben play up front? Yeah, in a way. I think he's not going to be one of stretches defences like Waters does, you know, with the movement off the ball. But I'd back him to finish um, if he got a chance. I think that's the difference. I think... You lose a lot then, though. It depends on you, who you're playing. You know, if you're if you're going to be dominant, then perhaps you can afford to have to lose his running at the top. But I still rather not see him play up there. But I think he's a good enough player to make make a good fist of it if he did. Ben, would you put uh, Ruben at top? It was nice to see him back. We should have mentioned yeah. that really. Yeah, it was nice to see him back and looking. He's looking bigger as well. Like he's he looking... did, didn't he? I thought yeah. that. he looked a bit more like a. He's like grown into his grown yeah. into his yeah, size. He's proper he? filling out now. And it's um yeah, it's encouraging to see, but I don't think he's a number nine. Um, possibly you play him sort of like the false not like the false nine, but like the Firmino role that Liverpool have, where he's not like really there to score the goals. You sort of bring the wingers in and get them involved a bit more. It might work, but for me, he's more of a advanced midfielder, centre attacking midfielder ten. So up top, you would say for me, no. That's 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 quite good. That yeah. that's one of your better ones. Hey. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, Daniel Morgan always brings the good questions. So this question, um, I, I'm generally a bit torn on this. Um, I'll come to you first, Tom. Would you rather eat a slice of mouldy bread every day for a year, or eat 150 slices of mouldy bread in a day? I know you loves the mouldy bread, lads. It deserves a comeback. What would you do, Tom? Every day for a year, or 150 in one day, just to get out of the way? Uh, one every, I'd, I'd definitely die if I did 150 slices of any bread, I think, in one day. So, all I'd become go... invincible, one of the two. Yeah, mm, true. You become well, there's, there's no way that's true. I don't mind saying true. Yeah, um, no, I'll go one a day. I reckon I can handle it. I'll toast it. Ben, yeah, I'd probably go one a day. Um, how goes it though, actually? It just sums up life in uni, doesn't it? Well, I think I would say. And I'm I'm sorry, Daniel, if I'm attributing the wrong thing to your question. I think it's a mix of moulds. Some are going to be really mouldy. Some you could probably cut off the crusts and they wouldn't be so mouldy. Yeah, I'd go one a day. I'd be all right with one a day. I think I'd probably go one a day as well, because I think, to Tom's point, 150 in one day is just a lot of food, isn't it? It's a lot of bread. <laughs> it's a lot of bread. I like bread. I love bread. It's the reason I'm the size I am. But I don't want to eat 150 mouldy <laughs> slices in a day. How many slices do you reckon there are in a loaf? 15 slices of bread and like a thick slice loaf? Yeah, I've had eight I'd slices. 15 to today, 20, I reckon. You've eight, eight slices. slices. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sat at home all day. I've had a lot of toast. <laughs> That's the dream, that is the missus. But in, in what sort of time frame? It. In what sort of time frame have you had that eight? Like when did you have your first slice? When did you have your last slice? I started off. Oh, yeah, I've had four bags of two. I've had uh, scattered throughout the day. So, yeah. That's, yeah, that's dawned on me. I've eaten a lot of bread today. I didn't really realise that until day. now. So you don't have to eat 142 more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. The question is, what do you, what do you have on the bread? On oh, your toast? Well, oh, let me guess. Let me guess. I reckon you had plain butter on two of the slices. Just normal butter toast on two of the slices. Yeah. Peanut butter on another two. Vegemite on another two. And then... One plain, one pe- jam on the last one. No, the first one was with uh, first one was a bacon sandwich, so that's two <laughs> slices of bread. <laughs> then I had, a, but they were plain uh, toast. Yeah, that, yeah, true. And then I had um, more plain toast with I with, with scrambled eggs later on because I was hungry again. 
and then the rest was just with Lurpak, which is very expensive at the moment, as we all know. So yeah, I probably should have right. held back. And, That's the yeah. same big money guy over here. Well, no, I'm, I just I'm said at, I should have held I'm back. At, I'm out here going to Aldi getting no pack. No pack. All right, mine was probably no or pack. Or Dane pack. Well. But I can never remember which one's Lidl and which one's Aldi. Know. If anyone knows, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. <laughs> which one's Dane pack? Which one's no pack? I think Dane pack is Lidl. I think no pack is Aldi. No pack, I think, is Aldi. Uh... Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but at the moment, I'm on the um, Asda own brand Lurpak. Um, because it was like eight quid for a decent sized pot of Lurpak in Asda the other day. And I was like, absolutely not. Ben, what do you use? We go flora. Cause... Flora buttery or just like normal flora? Flora light. Because the Whoa. missus, she's a dietitian. I got no chance. Like we do oh, yeah, have bread. Because yeah. it's like bad for you, like too many carbs. She goes nuts. You have to have like protein bread. No, it's not like that. Her diet's horrific. She's just fucking great metabolism. It's really depressing. We eat the same stuff and look at the shape of me, and she's skinny as anything. It takes the piss. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's got any metabolism twits, tw- tw- tips, <laughs> twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Um, if you, what, what, what do you have on your toast? Twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. We're asking all the big questions here. Right. Looking ahead, Tom and Ben. Not long to go, Ben. You can go to sleep soon because you're very unwell. Um, I'm amazed my chest is holding up. It's almost as if I'm lying about my chest infection. I'm not. I have a prescription for the amoxicillin. Um, Wednesday, West Brom away. Tom. Our travel plans have been scuppered. They have. Fucking yeah. trains. Yeah, I'm currently looking at a 38-hour walk is one option. Um, Good, so I might yeah. have to leave just after this pod ends. Um, but Would you, Is uh, that with a stop-off anywhere? Oh, no, that's straight through, actually, yeah. So I don't know where I'm going to bring in my bread, actually, then. Um, <laughs> that's where the bread, 150 slices of bread would be useful. You've got the carbs to keep you going actually, the whole yeah. journey, yeah. Well, I probably solved it, yeah. Um, yeah, it is a bit shit, isn't it? I'm all for the train strike, but it has proved to be a little bit inconvenient. And National Express have taken full advantage of there not being any trains by ramping their prices up to about 40 quid each way as well, which is nice for them. And that, that, that therein is the problem with the free market. Um, oh, I'm all for capitalism, really, because we live in a capitalist society, but free market economics have really I tell you what, we've hit here. some topics today. <laughs> yeah, we are covering a lot of bases. Um yeah, so we were we were meant to be going to West Brom on Wednesday night. Um, the train, the last train, now leaves Birmingham New Street at eight thirty, which will be about half time. So um, we'd have to get to the game. It's eight o'clock kickoff. Oh, so it would be half. So we'd have to get to the game and leave immediately. To yeah, to, to uh, just to just, just to check in on footballology and then and then go. Yeah, yeah and go home. <laughs> Is it an eight o'clock kickoff? It's eight o'clock kickoff. Yeah, because I was I've been looking at. Oh, it is an expo. Well, at least it'll be on the stream so we can watch it at home. Thanks, Cardiff City. Um, ben, we could actually beat them. West Brom currently sit 20th. Uh, three games in, two draws, one loss, a goal difference of minus one. I think they've played some pretty good teams so far from what I remember. They lost to Blackburn at the weekend. They've drawn with Middlesbrough and Watford, two teams who will be up for promotion. But under Bruce, they don't look like a typical Bruce team at the moment, do they? They look a bit shaky. No, I think to me in recent years, this they they're looking like a typical Bruce team. I and just that's think he's always good in the championship, is what I usually say. But is he? I thought you shit at Villa. Like you took the playoff final, though, didn't he? Yeah, but with a squad worth like six hundred like billion pounds or whatever, Twitter says <laughs> the end. The end will always justify the means. It didn't go up either. Um, no. Yeah, for me, for me, it's just yeah that he's along with Dean Smith. He's the he's not going to be at the club by the end of the season. It'd be, I'd be amazed if he's there by Christmas. Um, 
it's couldn't be a better time to go to West Brom, to be honest, because they're going to be on edge. The, the fans are going to get on their back straight away. And West Brom fans like getting on their players' back as well. Whenever I've Sorry, been last there, year. Whenever I've been there, it's always been very hostile to their own players. Um, so, yeah, it's an ideal time to go. Hopefully we can, like, I'm not saying it's an ideal go and we'll definitely get, like, we should be looking for three points. If we go there and get a point, I'd be delighted. Tom, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because they've got a good team. When you look at the starting lineup, they've got people like a Jay in there who was in their lineup when they got promoted. Livermore, Jonathan Swift's come in from Reading. Jed Wallace on one wing, Dean Garner on the other wing. It's a good team, but they just don't seem to be performing under Allardyce. Allardyce. Bruce. Oh, see, they're Bruce. All the, I they're all the same. All the same, those old white men. Uh, um, I think, I, I don't think the position in the league is fair in a way, just because... A draw with Middlesbrough away from home and then a draw with Watford. Are good two results, good, really. Two good results. They've been Sheffield United in the cup as well. And then the Blackburn, Blackburn are top with the lowest XG in the whole league, which is absolutely mental. That's mad. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have a shot on goal in the first half, Blackburn. So I think it, it's a bit of a false one, really. Like, at this stage of the season, it always is. You can read far too much into it. So I think it's going to be a tough, tough game. You know, you've got the likes of Dean Garner, you've got John Swift there, Jed Wallace. They've got, you know, they names that are banded around the championship all the time as would be great potential signings for people at the top of the league. So I'm a little bit worried going into this. I think it'd be a real test for us, but I am holding on to that like the point that Ben said earlier on about their fans turning. Like we managed to get a point there last year when we were absolutely shit. James Collins so, scored. Yeah, exactly. That's a joke. So <laughs> you know, so perhaps so perhaps we will get I I, I would 100 percent take a point right now. I think that would be a fantastic yeah. result. And I think we've just got to kind of rattle them early doors. Because if they get that's what we did last year, right? We scored quite early last year. Yeah, their fans and I, 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 the manager was under was it um, Valerie at that point? He was under a lot of pressure anyway, but it became toxic in there so quickly. Yeah, and I think we've got to rely on that. I think because I think this will be one of our toughest games this season. Um, like looking at their squad, so yeah, I'll take a point right now. But I, I, if we lose this game, as long as we don't get hammered, I won't be. I will obviously be disappointed, but like. As long as it doesn't completely knock our confidence, then I'll take that as an okay result when we've got Bristol coming up on the weekend. Ben, you start in the same team? So the Waters question remains. Um, obviously, I think the keeper he can't play, can he? Um, which I forgot. Keeper can't through. play, yeah, of course. Yeah. Until you boys mentioned that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't make too many changes. It seems seems to be it seemed to work well. It was a nice balance there. It looked looked like a really good lineup. So yeah, it's just um Keepers become quite an important part of play the way we play out from the back, though. So now it is important of looking how do we get that same effect with another player. Um, I don't think. Would you, throw, like, would you throw Simpson straight in? That was the question I was going to ask. I don't think he's ready from what Morrison was saying. He's saying like he's a few weeks off. He's barely played football. I think he's made like five appearances for like three years at Reading. At I think Rangers. I think it's both. something like twenty-six appearances in like five or six seasons. Yeah, so it's not like he's played a lot of football. So. It's a difficult one, but realistically, left-footed centre half, um, he's probably our best option. I wouldn't fancy NG playing down that side. I don't think he's good on the left. Um, we've seen it at left back; he loses a lot from there. McGuinness, don't think he's fit. I think it's too big of an ask for Denham to come in at that for that squad just because the danger they could have. So yeah, perhaps we've got no choice but to drop Simpson in. Well, he's on the bench on Saturday, right? So Morrison clearly thinks that he's could be thrown into the action if needs be um, again but starting again is a different matter right because you have to see a, a longer period of time than coming off the bench so be interested to see uh, predictions Tom what are you saying 
I think we lose one nil. Ben? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, two one loss. All right, I'll go one all draw just to throw some fucking optimism in this, guys. <laughs> um, and then after West Brom, of course, it's just a small matter of the seven side derby on Sunday away at Bristol, Tom. Um, it's already been mentioned a few times. Is this the kind of first real test of Morrison's character this season? Obviously, last season we had four derbies that we just didn't show up in. Um, the fans are going to put a lot of importance on this because it is against Bristol. It is a derby. It's the first derby of the season. How important is it that he lays down a marker here? I think it's huge in terms of for the fans more than anything. I think you win this game then, you've got a lot of good grace for the weeks that come after it. And I think it is a bit of a like a tone setter for the season. Um, it doesn't matter how good the performance is or anything, really. I think we just need to get a result there. Um, you know, I'm sick of humiliating losses against Derby rivals now. So it'd be great to see a positive result there. And I can't stand them as well. So I think, yeah, it's a huge one, I think, just for overall morale around the club. Um, and it'll put to bed some petty squabbles for a little bit then. Um, ben, Bristol are 23rd in the table. Um, they haven't won a game this season. So far, they've lost to Hull. Sunderland and drawn with Wigan. Um, really not an auspicious start, is it? Considering they played two of the promoted teams and Hull. Yeah, um, they've really not got off to a good start and I don't think it's going to get much better for them. I think they look really poor. I know I said this last year and bit us on the arse, but I think this is probably the most important game of Morrison's managerial career. This really, like, I think it, we have to put in a good performance as well as sort of get the results. I think it's one of those to really show where this squad is and how far we've come. This, like Tom said, sets the tone, but I think it needs to be in the performance as well. We need to go in there and sort of be, show what we've lacked in the last few derbies in this game. It's a really good chance to set that and really get the fans bouncing. And I think like you pick up a win, you pick up a dominant win against Bristol on Sunday. I think you're looking at twenty k a 20k crowd the next home game it's um it's sort of that sort of scenario for the club and i think that is really really important performance and result yeah it's a midday kickoff um i'm having a little look at the heads to heads in recent years um we haven't done very well against them have we um we changed it's sort of nosedived over the last few years isn't it yeah sort of, yeah because we, we, we had like a really really good run but like that's what i'm looking at yeah yeah it's interesting because they they I think Vyman for them has got like some of the. He's like got the most, three goals in three games already. Yeah, he's got the most goal involvement sort of any player in the championship, but yeah. they're still shit and they keep throwing away leads and things like that as well. So it's, it's the perfect time to play them, especially if we get anything. If we get something from the West Brom game going into that one as well, I'd, I'd love to see us just absolutely batter them. Well, how nice would it also be that we go to that game, they're sitting 23rd already. Yes, only four games into the season, five games into the season at this point. But we go there, if we beat them and beat them well, that's a huge amount of pressure placed immediately on one of our closest, you know, closest geographical rivals. And all of a sudden, we could be the reason that another manager gets sacked at Bristol. Um, oh, would be nice. Isn't it? We went for a spell of that as well, didn't we? Yeah. We took out a few in a couple of years. So, yeah. And they take really out, nice. Do they take out one... Did they take a Warnock with us or something? Yeah, Warnock's last but one game, wasn't it? I think he, he okay. did one more after that game, but that was showed it at the end. Um, it shows the importance of the games, though, as well, does, to the fans, does. doesn't it? Like, I think it's a statement thing, then, if we lose to your rival. So, yeah, I, I, I'm proper up for it. Hopefully, my train doesn't get cancelled for that one, because I think that's even further walk for me. But um, <laughs> Have a check now. <laughs> no. But... Um, um, yeah, it's a I, long walk up the hard shoulder of the M4. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to that game. 
Uh, predictions then, Tom. I think you're all in on a win. 4-0. 4-0. Ben? Yeah, I'll go 2-0. I'll go 3-1. Max Waters hat-trick. Oh, that'd be lovely. Oh, come on. See, that would be the perfect scenario, isn't it? Gets off and running with a hat-trick against the Wurzels and then goes on to score 25 this season. That'd be lovely. And then likes God. to Russell Martin post. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why bring it down now? Yeah, why, Ben, why we're that? in a good mood, man. Oh, just because you're ill, don't bring us all down to our. We're both ill. Let's don't bring us down to our level. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Covered a lot of ground in that podcast, Ben. What was your favourite bit? I really like the toast talk. Yeah, toast talk was fun, Tom. Yeah, I think that's the least we've spoken about football for a long time, actually. But yeah, good. A new record for us because we don't talk about football much anyway. <laughs> no, 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 true. Yeah, I don't know why we've we've got this food niche all of a sudden now, haven't we? So I'm looking forward to more questions on I that. I think we've taken over from Alternative Wales because they, they've they've sort of managed to avoid the food questions. Everyone's gone, right, we'll ask these lads instead. <laughs> yeah. Um I, and on that note, if you do have any food questions for us, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Um, if you listen to the podcast and like what you heard, follow us on Twitter or go to kofi.com, kofi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. You can donate some money towards our cause there. We obviously do this for the love, not the money. There's a few costs involved that we pay for, so it would be great to see some more money rolling in there just to help with the running costs of the podcast. Um, we'll be back probably on Sunday after the Bristol game, um, if Tom can get on a train. Uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for joining us once again. We've been The View from the Indian. Thank you. Good night. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's The View from the Ninian with views from the Ninian, not shoes from the Ninian. The View from the Ninian.